friends, I'm Bonnie Keen. And I'm Nan Gurley. Pull up a chair and join us for a kitchen table conversation. We'd like to invite you to explore the lives of the women of the Bible. We know we're going to find encouragement and the faith we need to keep going. And there's always a place at the table for you. Here we go. The following episode of Women Who Dare to Believe was recorded in the summer of 2020. But we think you'll find this story to be relevant, timeless, and powerful in speaking to where we live today. Also, a quick reminder, if you'd like to purchase a copy of our Women Who Dare to Believe Bible Studies, you can reach us at our Facebook page or at womenwhodaretobelieve.com. You know, Bon, we recorded this podcast in 2020, but now, this morning, when I was thinking about this podcast on Jochebed, the mother of Moses, I was thinking to myself, what kind of crazy faith in the Lord did Jochebed have to have that enabled her to put her most treasured possession, her three-month-old son, in a basket, in a river, full of crocodiles? She somehow believed the Lord for this treasure. I mean, have you ever had to let go of a child or let go of a dream, let go of something treasured and release it into the hands of the Lord, releasing all control of it, all power over it and saying, this is yours, Lord. That's what she had to do. She placed this baby in a basket in a river full of crocodiles. Now, what does that mean? What, how in the world do I get that kind of crazy faith? What is the River Nile for you and me today? That's such a great point because I hear parents ask now, you know, I hear young people say, why would I have a child in this culture? Because it's so scary and it's so dark and the world is so full of crocodiles. What What are our crocodiles? Our, our crocodiles. Oh the goodness. lies. So many lies about gender. So many yeah. lies about identity. So many lies about what you're supposed to dream or be without God. So many things to pull people away. Intellect. We've got so many distractions. Well, Jacobet even entrusted Moses to be raised by a princess who did not love Yahweh. She knew that Moses would not hear every day. A godless culture. Yes. But she trusted that her treasure would be cared for, shepherded, and brought to fruition. You know, and I heard you say, Nan, in talking about this, that it's like... You made the, the the amazing point that in launching Moses into the hands of a godless culture, that the crazy faith that she had protected and, and made possible the forerunner of Jesus in the life of Moses. He was the forerunner in the image of Jesus for us in the Old Testament, launched into that place in the most unlikely circumstance against every odd. Moses was the picture of our future intercessor, Jesus, which shows we can trust that the plans of God will always come to pass and will never fail. Amen. So enjoy the story about Jochebed. Little baby, tiny child, travel down the river. I can hide you here no more May you find safer shores In my mother's heart I'll 
trust Jehovah for your care. God of Abraham, unchanging, oh, hear, hear my prayer. Draw him out from the water, draw him out, mighty Lord, let him I know there's something swirling in your head Swirly, today. Swirly, twirling in my mind. What's man. your What's your well, well, well today? Well, you know, because we're talking about Jochebed, the mom, you know, of Moses. I'm thinking a lot about mothers that are impressive in history, mm. and I started thinking about Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was born in 1867 in Ireland, but she was very passionate about God. Now she never had any children, but she founded an orphanage in India. Oh wow! So she loved children. She was a mother figure to these children, and she lived there long time. The last 20 years of her life, she was bedridden because of a bad fall and an injury that never really seemed to heal completely. And if you've never read any of, of her writings, they're just powerfully beautiful. Did she write hymns too? I think she may have. I've read did. more of her poetry oh, okay. and prayers. But you, when you realize she was in pain all the time yeah. and you read what she wrote, it's even more interesting. Because the writing is so victorious. So beautiful. Um, but her heart for children, you know, I thought about Jacobid's heart as a mother and and all these women listening right now um, that are mothers or grandmothers, um, she loved children and, and she looked at her life. And, and Nana, I was thinking about, too, how much I love the name that God gave us for the musical and for the Bible study for this podcast, because it says women who dare mm-hmm. and dare implies you have to have courage, daring to believe that he is and that he's going to be part of every aspect of our lives. Amy Carmichael really dared to believe God and Jochebed really dared. And Carmichael's life, she felt like God was burning places out of her and making them gold. Yes. And one of the quotes, I listened to two quotes. She said, I would rather burn out than rust out. Which is pretty cool when you think about yes, it. Yes, it is. That rust out, burnout. And then also in thinking about Jacobed not knowing what was going to happen, Amy Carmichael said, and not knowing what was happening in her life, all along, let us remember we are not asked to understand, but simply to obey. Now, and Jacobed did that. I mean, I just love that. Connection. Didn't Amy spend um, her life rescuing little girls out of uh, temple prostitution yes. in India? Yes, yes. And uh, she got massive pushback. Lots of pushback. You know, it's interesting. She said, What's the quote? I'd rather burn out. I'd rather burn out than rust out. She used than a, sit in a corner and do nothing. She'd rather burn out being used by God. So she used an image of fire yes. to talk about walking with the Lord. Yes, yeah, she said uh, she felt like he was burning 
turning out the dross in her life and making gold inside of her. Through suffering. Through suffering. And then when she was buried there, they buried her in India, and the children marked her grave with a bird bath called Ama, which means mother. Oh, dear. So she never had her own children, but she saved the lives of so many children yes. and, and orphans. And like you said, little girls that were in trouble with prostitution and despair. What a life. So I love her story. and I just really highly recommend her writing. Yes, and, and Google biographies yes. of Amy and her own writings. Her, one of her books called If <laughs> is one of my favorites. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. great, Vaughn. So, okay, so where are we in our study of Women Who Dare to Believe? Last time, we looked at the midwives who were the first recorded instance of civil disobedience, refusing to obey Pharaoh Tutmosis the first. <laughs> Tutmosis. Uh, they refused to uh, assist Pharaoh by killing male Hebrew newborns. So if you missed that podcast, go back, girls. Check out the midwives of Egypt. Yes, because today we're going to look at another very brave woman who lived at the same time as the midwives and drastically needed their help. <laughs> this was about 1527 BC. She's the mother of a Hebrew baby boy, and she has to be very quiet during labor. Oh, just imagine that. Her name is Jacobed. <laughs> so what if there was an underground newspaper circulating among the Hebrew ghetto during her life? <laughs> what would have been the breaking news, Nan? Breaking news. Hebrew Gazette. Editor's warning. Any Israelite caught that the Hebrew Gazette will be considered dangerous and punishable by law. Mothers of newborn males stand strong. In response to the mandated deaths of our newborn sons, we pray for each family who must decide how to respond in protecting their children. While Egypt may see the lives of our sons as a threat or an inconvenience, we know that Yahweh gives life to our nation through their births. Remember the actions of Noah. God provided an ark to deliver Noah's family during the flood. Remember Abraham. When asked to lay down his son Isaac, God provided the ram. Mothers, stand strong. Think outside the box. <laughs> Be creative. Our Lord is with you. Remember Psalm 31, verse 4. Draw me out of the net that they have laid secretly for me. For you are my strength and my stronghold. So let's think about this. What were Jacobed's living conditions? She was a slave, a Hebrew slave in Egypt. She lived in a Hebrew ghetto as an oppressed, poor minority. She and her husband, Amram. And Jacobed, yes. yes. Amram. Uh -huh. Amram had a young teenage daughter named Miriam and a three-year-old son named Aaron. And at this particular time, it's very dangerous, as we just heard, to be pregnant. So as her belly grows bigger each day, the government is watching. When she goes into labor and delivers her baby. Any Egyptian who sees her could have demanded to know the sex of her child and was deputized to kill a baby boy. So, as the midwife stands over her and encourages her to push, what's going on in her mind? If her baby is a son, what's she going to do? I mean, at this time, at this moment in history, the Hebrews were 80 years away from being set free from slavery and beginning their journey to the promised land. But there is no way Jacobed could have known that. As she labors to bring uh, this third child into the world, as she's sitting on a birthing stool, or <laughs> as we discovered, birthing stones for the poor people, <laughs> right? Yeah, whatever that is. Um, she did not know that this baby was going to be a deliverer for her people, and she didn't know what was going to happen in his life. All she knew to do was be as quiet as possible and to fight the urge to scream uh. through every racking labor pain. I can't imagine this. No. I mean, I think, wonder, Nan, did she lock eyes with their midwives? 
in a mutual understanding of what was at stake. I can picture that. Me too. They had no help from an ultrasound, so it's an understatement to say that would have been more than tense. So as she pushes one more time and delivers a son, it makes me want to just stop here for a moment because... (laughs) Personal experience. Um, Yeah. Well, when I was pregnant with my oldest child, I chose not to know whether it was a boy or a girl. You know, that's unusual. It is unusual, but I thought, I just want to be surprised. I don't want to know. I will decorate the nursery note for either choice. And I just wanted to be surprised. So at the moment Courtney was born, it's impossible to put into words what that moment is like because it's an explosion of joy. And and seeing my daughter's face was just unbelievable. So when I think about Jacobet in this moment, and I, I think about her trying to get through delivery, delivery, not, you know, quietly, and also not knowing if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And in the moment when she delivered Moses, it would have to have been a mixture of pure joy and elation, but then right on the heels of that, just fear. That's horrible to imagine. Yes. And so she's got to make a decision right Mm -hmm. then. Is she going to risk everything to save him from the Egyptian police? But how is she going to do it? Mm -hmm. Will the midwives keep her secret? Can she hide him from the police indefinitely? And what are the risks to Miriam? Right, to the other children. To Amram, uh, wow. to Aaron. Yeah. Um, you know, what are their, the risks to wow. them? never thought of that. Because, you know, Pharaoh sees the Hebrews as enemies and potential enemies, but the Hebrew population keeps outnumbering the Egyptians. So, right. so he thinks, okay, if I cannot enslave them all, then he would not permit them all to grow up and one day threaten them. I mean, how did Jochebed keep Egyptian neighbors and spies from hearing the baby cry? Because I I can't imagine her stress level. Babies cry and they squeal and they coo and they make noise and they kick and they're very much there. Um, (laughs) She may have been quiet somehow during labor, but there is no way she could have kept baby Moses quiet all the time. Mm -mm. So when Pharaoh couldn't get the midwives to do the job for him, we talked, you got to go back and listen if you haven't heard this podcast about the midwives. Um, He let it be known to every Egyptian citizen that now they were deputized to steal Hebrew babies from their mother's arms and throw them into the Nile. All right, context here for a second. The highest ruler of the land believes himself to be a god, Mm -hmm. right? A god in the flesh. Mm -hmm. There's no reasoning with a person like that. There's no ballot box where you can make your wishes known. Uh, She cannot hire a lawyer to present her case. She cannot question Pharaoh's public policy. She cannot argue for the sanctity of life of of her child with a ruthless despot who's bent on annihilating every Hebrew male child. So uh, how do you deal with that? What's what do you do? You know, I don't know, but let's let's look at this a little bit more interestingly and practically. This is I'm sorry, ladies, but this is a ladies podcast. So (laughs) Um, let's put ourselves in Jacobit's place in another way. She's already shown courage with her husband in the bedroom, choosing to have another child. I mean, she could have chosen to not have sex during that time because, you know, they're going to maybe kill our child. That took courage for her to actually risk getting pregnant again. Mm -hmm. She could have said, no, Amram, not tonight. Not tomorrow night. Not Not ever. (laughs) Until this pharaoh is dead. But Jacobed did not do that. I'm sure Amram was grateful. <laughs> I'm sure he was, but he, that's a mother. That would have been a, a, her yeah. burden to carry as the mother. I mean, surely Jacobed thought, where is Yahweh in all of this with the babies being killed? Mm-hmm. Has he forgotten us? Does he see me? Does he know what I'm dealing with here? But see, somehow, that's my default. That's my oh, default. Yeah. When things all of us go bad, I'm going, God, where are you? Yeah. It, you know, I've never faced anything like what she faced. 
I, my yeah. life has been comfortable. You know, I'm embarrassed to admit that when I do have curves thrown at me and, you know, I've had some rough things in life. I don't think anything compares to this no. uh, in my life. And I, but I'm quick to go, well, God, why did you let that happen? Right. We all do. Where are you? I mean, do I, you see me? I feel like that is a common question that anybody could be asking right now in 2020. Right. I things keep escalating into yeah. strange places. None of us have been before. Bad news is coming every day. Right and, now. and you go, how, wh- what? Just lots of whys and what's. Yeah. Where are you, Lord. God? Yes. Where are you, God? But somehow, Jacobed took some courage. I mean, maybe she kept Moses inside for like the first few months <laughs> as much as possible. Or No maybe, play dates. Maybe he was a great baby. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but she probably ta- prayed that he would take lots of long naps. Oh, yes. Well, we pray for that anyway. Well, always pray for that, ladies, no matter when you have your baby. But when baby Moses turned three months old, she made a different plan. Yes, she so did. Yeah. Something and, happened there. And uh, she, she got real specific. She um, she took papyrus strands. Yeah. Love this. <laughs> you know, I wonder what Amram thought when he saw her doing it. Or Miriam thought, what is the, what in the yeah, world is mom Miriam. doing? She gets papyrus strands and starts weaving. What does she weave? And this is not like what I heard as a child growing up in this story. Yeah. I didn't think of this at all. Yeah. She starts weaving, and as she weaves, she produces an ark. I never knew that it was an ark. That is the only place the word ark is used in the Bible besides when Noah built his ark. Yes, love this. The Hebrew word is only used one other place. Previously with Noah, the, the flood yes. story in Genesis. Yes. So, okay. So she weaves an ark, and it's, <gasps> it was shaped like a box. And it had a lid. And then she covers it all over with a thick layer of tar and pitch to keep it waterproof. You know, and Noah used to pitch. Remember yes, that? Yes, he did. In the flood story. Okay. And like I say, if this sounds familiar, it's because it is. Because yeah. these are the exact words the Bible uses in the flood story. So when Jacobet's ark was finished, she puts Moses inside and she places it among the reeds and the bulrushes along the bank of the Nile. I mean, the irony here, uh, the Nile is a place of death. Right. It's the place Pharaoh demanded that the Hebrew baby boys be drowned. Jacobet puts her three-month-old into a river, into this river river against, and let me wax poetic here, against the current of death yeah, in her culture. Yeah, the current of death? She's obviously trusting that God will move in power and do a reversal. A reversal. I love that word. Yes. A reversal in this seemingly hopeless situation. You know, I can't imagine her putting that little arc together and thinking, I've got to just get this just right. Mm-hmm. And I've got to get the pitch exactly where it's supposed to be to keep it waterproof. And How long did it take her to make it? And oh my word. Well, at least make three months at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I also, I just have to stop right now. And I don't know when this will air exactly or what will be happening in the world. But right now we're in August of 2020. And for all the moms out there who are concerned about their children going back to school or not going to school and staying home or some kind of mix of both. And for moms that are worried about their their children going off to college or grown children. It's such an interesting time to be launching your child into school, into another school, into dangerous waters, potentially. Because none of us know what that's going to look like. Nan and I, our hearts just go out to you. And I hope that, that you can think about Jacobed's faith and find courage for yourself in this moment. Yes, because you're not the first mother yeah. who's placed her child in an uncertain situation. Exactly. And most of the time, it really is uncertain. 
uncertain, but now it's really highlighted how uncertain yeah. it really truly is. Mm-hmm. But she had faith to enable her to do this. She placed her baby in a place where she literally had no control, a place that was full of crocodiles mm-hmm. and swift waters. Somehow she knew enough about Yahweh to believe the Nile could also be a place, that, like Nan said, a reversal. I love that word too. Mm-hmm. Because what Satan means for defeat and death, God can reverse and make it a place of hope and life. Jochebed somehow had this massive courage to hope in God. So what were the stories she was remembering? I mean, did she preach to her soul and remind herself of Noah and the ark like we were thinking about and God using it to save him and his family? Did she believe God could do it again? Because she placed baby Moses in the direct path of the goodness of God. It's not just danger. She's like, okay, here's the baby. God, you can take him. You can take care of him. Did she remind herself of the time Abraham placed his beloved son Isaac on an altar of death and how God rescued him and provided a sacrifice in his place? She obviously knew the stories. Yeah. She might have remembered how Joseph was saved from death and became the leader in Egypt. He was responsible for saving the entire known world from starvation. She might have rehearsed each one of these deliverance stories. She might have heard them around the campfires as a child. No matter what, in spite of her present circumstances, we can think about this. Jacobed hoped in God in the middle of whatever she was facing. You know, I have a question here. Yeah. We know that by the time Jochebed came on the scene. The Hebrews had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. Yes. There was no synagogue. No. They had not heard a direct word from a prophet from God in over 400 years. So how did she know the stories? They were orally passed down. Someone had to be telling them to every family that came along so they wouldn't forget. Deliberate deliberate, intentional. This is what happened. This is what God did. We don't know what's going on right now, but this is who he's always been. We've got to pass on the stories of his faithfulness. We have to pass on the character of God. Yes. And you know, it's like, we need, with our children today, of course, we need to make sure that they they know the Bible stories. They also need to know our personal stories of God's faithfulness, like sitting around the table or or in the car together, going somewhere. Windshield conversations. That's perfect. (laughs) I love that. Windshield conversations. Where you say, you know, it comes up, you know, you say, well, guys, I remember a time in my life when I, you know, fill in the blank where I was facing something difficult. And let me tell you how God really showed up for me. Right. right. This is what we do. We have to pass on the story. I enjoy doing that with my adult children now. Yes. You know, just getting on the phone and going, I can't believe what God did today. Let me tell you. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what's coming, but this is what he's been doing and always done. Absolutely. That's good, Nan. We all take some kind of treasure, a child, a dream, something, and we let it go and release it at some point into God's hands. We have to. So maybe Jochebed told her daughter Miriam. Oh, maybe. No, she did. (laughs) She did. She told Miriam, who may have been wondering what she was doing. um, Mom's made this ark. There goes my brother. But she told (laughs) Miriam to stand at a distance when she put him in the Nile to see what would happen to her little baby brother. And I mean, it's fascinating to think about what kind of pain filled Jochebed's heart as she walked away from that riverbank that day. There's no way she could have done it unless she was convinced that God is good. No, there's not. There's no, there's no I mean, she was putting her whole weight down on God, you are faithful. You are good. You do the impossible. You take anything we offer you and you use it for right. good right. somehow. But there's trust involved there. Mm-hmm. And, and you cannot trust someone you don't know, Bon. That's exactly right. You have to know someone's character. She knew the character of God. She did. All she had were the stories of the past. Yeah, and she was surrounded by death around Surrounded, her. right. I mean, I think it was interesting the other day, Nan, you were saying, I wonder if if they had seen Egyptians throw some of the babies into the Nile and seen little bodies floating down the river. You know they did. So, I mean, there's no telling what that had looked like for her to put her child in that path. It took extraordinary faith. Yeah. But, 
you know, you, you don't trust someone you don't know. How do we know God? We know him through his word. We have got to be in the word all the time. We've got to immerse ourselves in it, meditate on it. Psalm 1 says, meditate on it day and night. night. Rehearse it. Rehearse it. So immerse yourself in truth, the truth, Mm -hmm. so that you can be equipped to walk by faith into these situations. I love the analogy. You know, I don't remember much of science. I took when I was in school. (laughs) I do remember one thing about seventh grade science. Maybe it was because it was just about the only thing I understood. (laughs) But I remember this teacher saying, you have to learn the givens. The givens. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what? And she explained it, that when you do a science experiment, you start with a hypothesis. And, and then you start with that, and then you do an experiment to try to come to an accurate conclusion to see if your hypothesis is true. She said, when you start with an experiment, you don't start with an unknown. You always start with something you know to be absolutely true. Yeah. And then build your hypothesis on, or your experiment. That's how it holds water. That's right. You build your hypothesis on a fact that is undeniable. So, for instance, we know water boils at 203 degrees Fahrenheit, and we know water freezes at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So, these are not unknowns. Nobody's going to debate that or argue with that. They're called givens. They're givens. Okay. So, in in the science book, when you look at a a problem to solve, the very first thing you'd see is given. Given. And then they would state, what's the given, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, all right. I, I take this okay to and I think okay what are the givens for believers very good for what is a given what are the givens yeah you know they're found in the word of god and they're what we base our lives on given god is god is i am god is given god is good given god is sovereign over the world given god sees me given god loves me given christ died and rose for me it goes on and on the good Amen. news goes those on those are givens they're immovable see that's that's what you're equipped to walk into the fire with. Mm, mm. Those never change. They are undeniable truth. Those are things I have to rehearse. God Every is day. good. Every day. I, I say aloud, God, you are sovereign. I do too. It doesn't look like you are, but you are. <laughs> you know, like the world is looking like crazy, but you're sovereign. Absolutely. So, all right. There is no darkness in you. You love he us. He has no dark side. Yes. So right now, think about it for a second, dear ladies. What are you launching into unknown waters? Do you need to remind yourself of the givens of a Mm -hmm. child of God? Life is a series, difficult moments of letting go, letting go. We enjoy the sense of control over things that matter to us most, but most of the time, Bond, we don't have any control. it's an illusion. It's an illusion. So Jacobed was experiencing a terrifying loss of control, but she knew the character. The givens of God. The givens of Yahweh. Mm. So she took her most treasured and vulnerable possession, and she let it go into his unseen hands. Mm. So, you know, there it is. Everything we've been given must be given back to him and held loosely, held loosely and allowed to go into places we may never have chosen, but that he's ordained. Yeah. And, and, you know, ironically in the letting go, we launch our treasures and we offer them back to him as a sacrifice. Yeah. And we offer them, it's like in the letting go, we offer them to God to say, you, now you take this treasure, this child, this life, and let it be fully what you created it to be. And he often gives it back to you. Often gives it back, but I mean, it's 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 releasing this person, this situation to be more than you thought it could be. Yeah. 
It's what God intended it to be. Yeah. It's an adventure. Yeah. Never ending. I mean, I can't imagine her mom's prayers, uh, you know, oh. for Jacobed that day. I would just be going, dear God, please. Help, help, help. Keep the crocodiles away. Um, prayers for the fulfillment of his destiny, if she dared believe he had one. She must have. Well, she would never have built an ark she, if she didn't believe he had a destiny. No, she believed he had a destiny, but she had no idea who he would become and how much God would use him to accomplish unbelievable mm. things for his people. <laughs> okay. Um, imagine the angels that were guarding that little basket in the bulrushes. Mm. They saw the bigger picture. You know, the, the, where is the passage that said the gospel uh, is something that angels... First Peter. It, they long to look into it. Yeah, the, yeah that, they, that they... They endlessly look at the gospel because it's like a diamond. You, every time they look at it, it's more beautiful. It has it's a different like, facet. Different facet, yes. First and Peter. In this moment, the angels were watching a facet of the gospel take place in a little basket on the River Nile. They were protecting <laughs> Moses, the predestined ancestor of Jesus, from drowning, from crocodiles, from who knows what. And, you know, Bond, there was absolutely no way that baby was going to die. <laughs> We need to understand that about our salvation, um, about what was at stake here. I love how everything in the Bible is a is a reflection of Jesus. A picture everything, of everything. Yep. Every story. Moses became the leader who led God's people out of slavery. He would deliver God's law to them at Mount Sinai. He would be the intercessor between God and and Israel to plead with God to show mercy. But Moses is a total picture of the coming perfect Messiah of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's how it connects to us today, yes. our salvation. Jesus was the one to take his people out of spiritual bondage. bondage yes. He is the fulfillment of the law of yes, God. He, is, he the is the one who lives even now to intercede for us. Mm-hmm. He interceded by his blood. He made peace for us with God. He pleads our case. He prays for us constantly. You know, uh, this reminds me of Act 2 of our I musical. know. Act 2 opens. Baby boys were being killed when Jesus yes. was born, too. Mm-hmm. And this was totally an attempt by Satan to derail God's plan to bring salvation through Jesus. Yes. The enemy of the living God is always devising a plan to destroy human beings made in God's image. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do the same thing with Moses. But who's in charge? God. God, God had other plans. Yes. Because Moses was seen. Moses was known. Moses was chosen and set apart. Moses was God's idea. And in his word in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 makes us think of this. The word says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. You know, we live <clears throat> in a time that, that says, and this has been, you know, this has been true always. Yeah. Throughout history, cultures have said life is disposable. Yeah. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, but but in God's eyes, life is intentional. Maybe some of you listening are pregnant right now. Maybe you're thinking of adopting right now. Maybe you're a praying grandmother. <laughs> you're mothering something, yes. I have a feeling. Everyone listening is mothering yes. something. And uh, we're all giving birth to something, maybe not a literal literal baby, but we're, we're giving birth to dreams. And like I said, every generation lives in dangerous, uncertain times. The culture of Jacobed's day is no different from the culture of our times. We were meant to flourish no matter our circumstances. And it's so ironic to me that under such horrible oppression and slavery and cruelty, the people of God in Egypt flourished and yes, their numbers increased in spite of forced infanticide. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting to me to think about how Satan never stops trying to thwart God, but it never works. Yeah, you know? yeah. You'd think he'd learn. <laughs> You'd think, it, but he's, he's just like, 
continuing to try to come at it a different way. But he's it's, not it looks, creative. He's not creative. It's the same thing over and over again, packaged a little differently. But yeah. um, but God is the God of reversals and the God of victory, and He is in control. Especially in 2020, we're, yeah. we're living right now in this new decade. No matter what it looks like on the front page or in Twitter or whatever you're looking at of the news source, God is in sovereign and in control. So when Jochebed launched her dream into these unknown waters, she had no idea how things would turn out. So I think she shows us what it means to walk by faith, uh, by believing God is in the bulrushes with us. <laughs> and he's trusting. He understands when things, he understands how we feel right now, ladies. This is a bizarre time in our history. But like Nan said, it's nothing new for every generation to face times that look upside down. God knows we feel that way, but he can be trusted with what we treasure. And why? The reason why he can mm. be trusted with our treasures. Mm. Why? You've got to look at what he did. He became one of us. Yes. Jesus was the true Moses. Yes. He was not rescued from death. Jesus faced the impossible alone so that we would never be alone. God's son was nailed down in our place under an unjust, oppressive political regime. Jesus mm. is the ark that saved Noah. Jesus is the ram that was sacrificed in place of Isaac. Jesus is the deliverer. Yes. He is the intercessor. He is the true Moses. We're, we're walking in Jacobit's footsteps. Mm-hmm. It's faith in the true Moses that connects us with her. I love this. I do too. And see, I, 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 just I get, love this. I get so fired up when I think about, we're going to get to meet Jacobin. I know. Jacobin, Jacobin. I can't wait. Tell to, us, tell us. I can't wait <laughs> to touch her hand. I can't wait to tell her how much her story encouraged us. I know. I know. I just can't wait to squeeze her and squeeze say thank you. Squeeze her hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. If, if people squeeze in, in heaven. In heaven. Yes. Yeah. But, well, yeah. With but, our new bodies, you know, we'll yeah, be so squeeze strong. A Squeezable and and unable to hurt each other. Nothing will ever wrinkle. It will just squeeze and go slap it right back into place. (laughs) Nothing nothing will start to go southward. Nothing will will sag (laughs) or need to be pulled. No, no. you know, ladies, you're, I love our title, Women Who Dare, Daughters, Sisters, Mothers of God. We're all walking single, married, moms, grandmothers, aunts, mentors, teachers, whoever you are, as a woman of faith, you're walking one day at a time. And we don't have the full picture, but we're going to be soon walking by sight. So we just want to encourage you that we can feast on the daily manna of grace that God provides us every day. We can trust Him. Let's just say that to, our, to ourselves and to each other, with our families, with our children, with our marriages, our work, our health, Mm -hmm. our singleness, our widowhood, our dreams, our failures, no matter what the headlines are for you. He has a sovereign plan that will not be derailed, not even by you. You know, Bon, I'm remembering something you said to me a long time ago, and I don't know where we may have been. I probably don't remember. (laughs) Oh, yes, you will remember this. I I think maybe we were traveling. We may have been going to do our musical somewhere and, Mm -hmm. and had our fun airport time and airplane time and all that. But I remember you saying, this is the only chance we get to walk by faith. Yeah, it is. And I'd never thought of it that way. And I think, okay, well, how much more time do I have on earth? I don't know. I mean, if God lets me live to be really old, you know, maybe I'll have 30 more years. Who knows? But in the span of time, in the concept of eternity, that's not long. And this is my only chance to go, I believe you. Yeah, this is the only chance we have to suffer or not see the whole picture. Because we are going to be walking by sight so soon. Yeah. But it's like, I want to be caught in the act of believing on the day mm-hmm. I die. Mm-hmm. I want to be able, when I see him face to face and <laughs> grab his feet and 
praise him. I, I want to be able to say, I trusted you and you never disappointed me. Amen. But I just, I, I want to grab it, even though it's hard. I want to grab the opportunity to walk by faith and just say, I know you're worthy of it. You're as good as your word. You will not fail me. Yeah. You died for because me. Because somehow this, this human experiment of making people in God. The, you know, the Son and the Spirit's image and putting them on this earth and letting us live for generation and generation and generation of brokenness, but continuing to come to us in that, yes. to save us, save us, save us. Somehow, how we live believing Him, seeing through a, de- a glass darkly. darkly, matters hugely because we don't see all of it now. And it makes me think of my favorite verse in Romans 8:29 I think it is. He who did not spare his own son but willing graciously gave him up for us all, will he not also freely give us all things? Yes. He's that's a contrast of comparing the hardest thing with the easiest thing. The hardest thing was his son dying. Yes. Giving his son. Willingly, that's the hardest. Willingly. Graciously, yes. yes. That's the hardest thing. Will he not also now do the easiest thing, which is to give us all things? Right, right. So we can walk by faith knowing no matter the road, he is there with us, within us, supplying every need in the moment. Amen. It's a given. It's a given <laughs> in a world that doesn't look like it has many givens. So back to that image of, of getting to see Jochebed one day. <laughs> with so many people oh, I want to meet. Oh, my word. Yes. Um, we are surrounded by these people. Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews said. And these are real people in that Hebrews Hall of Faith, chapter 11. Yes, real is. people who lived in very difficult times, very uncertain times. The odds were stacked against them. They know how we feel. And they are our cheerleaders going, keep going, guys. Mm-hmm. Keep going. You can do it. So we picture Jochebed cheering us on from the other side. She's saying, you go, girls. Yeah, you, you stand, go. You stand strong. Mm-hmm. You can't believe the view from here. <laughs> it's going to make sense one day, and it's going to blow your mind. <sighs> so God, God is weaving the impossible, making it possible, weaving it all into the tapestry of your life for His glory. That's You're right. part of that tapestry mm. of beauty, of the story of, That's right. of creation. That's right. We see Amram and Jochebed in the Hall of Faith. They're oh, mentioned. Right. It, it, they're mentioned Hebrews in Hebrews 11. 11. It yeah. says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. Some translations say, so he was a fine, a fine child, fine child. <laughs> and they were not afraid, afraid of the, the king's edict. edict. Isn't that just the best? It is. So, okay, in the spirit of Jonathan Edwards, yes, our yes, hero, the 19-year-old yes. brilliant theologian who yes. made 70 resolutions, let's say it, All right. resolved, resolved, I will, I will not, not be afraid, afraid. I, I will trust God with my treasures. Mm. Yes. So, dear beautiful women, fine women out there, <laughs> <laughs> we pray in the name of Jesus that together we will have faith daily faith like Jacobin, and that when you are birthing new dreams, we pray that you will launch them into God's faithful hands and then rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the true Moses. Amen. Join us next time because on our next podcast, we're going to take a look at the life of Moses' big sister. Her name was Miriam and about her role in his rescue on the Nile. We'll get a close-up look and a personal look at some big sister heroism. Talk about a babysitting job. (laughs) 
<laughs> she needed a big tip for that one. <laughs> we want to thank some special people whose help made this podcast possible. Thank you, James Hollihan, the brilliant producer of our musical. And thank you, Michelle Marciata, the editor and producer of this podcast. And thank you, Wayne Gurley, for helping us from the very beginning to make this dream a reality. And thank you to the best audience anywhere, women who dare to believe. <laughs>